welcome from Amsterdam, and thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Game Consultant. Your host of today is Reinout. It is Tuesday, July the 28th, 2020, and this is episode 37 of Game Consultant. Welcome, you all, and uh, today, interesting enough, we're going to talk about blockchain and games a topic that I really like. I hear a lot of people talking about blockchain, but what can it really do for gaming? Um, I was lucky enough to have a chat with the CEO of Animoca Brands. They do a lot with and around blockchain. You might have come across them uh, in the news. They've done some M&A activities, and um, I'm talking to the CEO of this company, Robbie Jung. He has quite a track record and uh, very very interesting insights that he's giving. One of the topics that we actually talk about is the ownership of digital goods in gaming. You can own your own digital goods in the games. Basically, you acquire things free to play, but then you own, you own whatever you buy. Um, the interview is chopped in two parts today, part one. Next to that, we have Chris. Chris is talking about esports. Read things. Um, interesting item today, talking about people that, well, the pressure of esports, put it like this. Um, cool item. So, next up, I want to go through some news that I got, also something about Roblox. So, stay tuned. So one of the things that landed in my inbox was um, a report that I got from, and I hope I say Dubit, uh, Dubit.us. And um, I'll have a blog post around this report later on today, latest tomorrow. And um, it was quite an extensive uh, uh, report. So I did ask for some uh, highlights. And um, Roblox is fast becoming the new place for kids to hang out and socialize with their friends. Roblox is not a single game, but a platform that hosts over 19.19 million multiplayer games and experiences. With over 150 million monthly players, Roblox has overtaken Minecraft in popularity and has been seen recently valued at $4 billion. That was according to the latest round, round of funding. Um, oh yeah, another fun part. Games are discovered on Roblox Store, but unlike the iOS and the Play Stores, playing a Roblox game requires no password or parental permission. Consequently, games can quickly grow to over 600k concurrent players, and the most popular have over 1 billion plays. There's no installation for each game, so as soon as a kid or child hits play, it loads instantly within Roblox. Um, it, it goes on like, uh, why are kids liking it? And, um, uh, you know, it's it's quite extensive. So I, I have the blog post later on and uh, hope you will enjoy that. Further on, I had some latest news that you guys should definitely know. It's about the worldwide XR revenue update from Q2. Uh, we checked out five latest Steam releases that we think is worth playing. Also, the live game streaming Q2 report. 
Uh, Super Evil Megacorp is launching their new game, Catalyst Black. Uh, League of Legends has a rebrand of the cards. Obviously, very hot news. Epic Mega Grants. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah. Digital Games, June 220. So if you go to my site and check out the section News and Insights, then uh, you can read up on all the latest news. Let's continue now with Read Things. Welcome back into another Read Thinks. Uh, today's topic, I want to take a few minutes on, is a topic of esports performance. Uh, just a very quick back background for me, been almost 20 years um, somehow involved in the performance space when it comes to uh, scholastic wrestling, uh, being a coach, being a participant, being an athlete myself, uh, having a degree in exercise science. Um, performance has always been, athletic performance has always been. Uh, something I've been passionate about, something I've spent a lot of time with, and something I'm really interested in. I'm always trying to learn more on the performance side of things, and uh, especially the last year in esports specifically, uh, connecting with people and talking to them that are, that are kind of inside the space, and just learning more, um, you know, about the process of you know the the difference between the traditional sports and esports um, in the performance side of things. So I've talked to my brother for many, many hours, uh, you know, for a number of years, uh, he started playing smash melee in 2013, um, and really started playing, um, on the national circuit, like in 2015, 2016, and actually coached him in wrestling years ago. So, uh, and he sees a pretty, pretty, uh, interesting correlation, uh, between wrestling and what he's done with smash melee and some of the mental side of things, uh, but also on the physical side, um, and how you can combine the two to achieve really elite levels. So, you know, I'm working on another podcast called No Tilt Mind, and it's what it deals with is talking about having, having conversations around esports performance um, and how it's, you know, the perception I believe is, you know, people look at esports in general and just say, okay, well, you're talking about elite, elite players. I guess they just play more hours in a day. You know, and they just add three more hours and you're an esports pro. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, there's so many layers to it. Um, and you, you take a look at, if you say a little bit of history, you take a look at like the last three or four years of some of these organizations, um, some, some of the top tier orgs, like your Cloud9 or uh, Complexity Gaming, and you take a look at what they're doing with their players. Um, I think it's really important to understand what they're trying to address. Again, it's not just trying to jam in as much gameplay as possible into a day. Um, it's addressing a number of things such as injury prevention, sleep, physical and mental performance. Um, and speaking of the word performance, you take a look at the facility um, that Complexity has, GameStop Performance Center. Um, look it up on YouTube. They have they have like an you know, eight to ten minute intro to walk you through it. It's really incredible. Um, what you know the the platform that they give their players, right? And and what they're doing is they're addressing some significant issues with their players. Um, and they're giving them the best chance to compete at the highest level, but also, um, you know, you add maybe a couple extra years to their career, right? We talk about career longevity. We talk about player burnout being a significant issue in the space. And, you know, Uzi just retired a couple weeks ago, the best, one of the best league players in the world at 23 years old. Um, cause of that, you know, hand, you know, his hand injury, um, also it was a type two diabetic, and just he just said, you know, his health just drove him out of out of league. 
And you listen to stories like that. It, those stories are making shockwaves throughout the space. Um, but going back to complexity, you know, having having a complexity in a cloud nine, you know, having a regimen structure for their players, and you know, given that expectation for those players as well. So like when you wake up in the morning, you know, an hour worth of strength and conditioning, you know, having a short breakfast and then a two hour training with a break, another two hour training with a break, and then finishing up the night with an, uh, with a solo cue is a kind of a typical breakdown for some of these players and some of these teams. And it's important to give your athletes a regimen that they understand, that they have the expectation that this is what my body and mind needs to go through. Um, so I'm always fascinated around these conversations of how these teams are giving their players, you know, the best chance to, again, peak at peak at the right time, but then also um, focus on career longevity. And, you know, I, I think that the organizations that are investing in their players um, will be here, you know, put, or putting themselves in a better situation than other organizations that quite frankly, aren't putting the time and the resources into their players. And it's more like in the short-term transactional mindset. Um, so the teams that are, that are giving their players the resources to, uh, to succeed at a high level, I think that that's important. I think that needs to continue. Um, but I love, I love having conversations around performance in eSports. I think that's, it's still, I wouldn't say infancy, but still an early stage. Um, not a lot of data going over the last, let's say, decade about performance in esports. So there's a lot of just really cool conversations that, that you can have around it. So if you have questions, concerns, or, you know, talk about your, I'd love to hear your experience. Uh, feel free to reach out to me, uh, Chris Reed on LinkedIn, C-R-I-S-R-E-E-D. Also on Twitter, you can send me a DM at the level up EXP. That's at the level up EXP. Um, and then the last, just the last thought here, but you know, mental health is such an important topic. Um, it, it's something over, over the last two to three years, um, it's really, really picked up in other industries too, like in the, in the startup space. Um, it's picked up a lot of, a lot of uh, um, speed or a lot of momentum as far as people coming out talking about their mental health, uh, talking about issues that they're struggling with. And, you know, it, it's starting to, you know, bring some momentum into the esports uh, industry as well. So, you know, players talking about their mental health, it's very important. Uh, and that's part of that's part of the performance process, in my opinion, is is the awareness around your mental health and those best practices. So uh, we'd love to hear some more. Feel free to reach out to me. And thanks for listening to another Rethinks. Thank you, Chris. And next up, the interview with Robbie Jung the CEO of Animoca Brands. We're talking about blockchain and games. And um, it was very learningful for myself too. Um, funny enough, I got to ask uh, questions that I was actually thinking about to find up answers. And, you know, I got them. So let's do this. company that is regularly in the news, Animoca Brands. And I was just discussing, do I need to say brands, yes or no? But we got a good, we got a good view on that, a good answer. Um, with me, I actually have Robbie, Robbie Jung. Welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, we already discussed the word, so let's leave that. 
<laughs> it sucks here. Um, but hey, uh, thank you for being here. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm on a on a regular basis. I'm, I'm I'm reading news, and it's about an acquisition. It's about scaling up, and I'm intrigued. You guys are all over the world. Can you give us a an overview? Uh, why the name? Uh, sure. And the, the type of company, and yeah, and you started it, right? Um, I actually joined, um, not quite midstream, but I, I, I joined when the business was actually co-founded by Yat Siu, who's our chairman, yeah. um, in 2009. I joined in 2012, um, and then after a, a few years in the business, helped to bring it public. Um, so that was sort of the, the going public part was kind of my baby. Yeah. Um, but I think the, you know, you asked about the name. Um, we called ourselves Animoca Brands specifically when we went public to separate out this part of the business that we took public because we were focused on branded IP. Um, I think one of the things in the mobile game business that we were quite well known for as a strategy is licensing third-party brands, whether it's, you know, anime or um, entertainment or other media and sports brands and creating original games featuring those brands. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've built the business on that basis um, and we've grown a lot over the years, both organically and through acquisition. So now we have studios all over the world. Um, we have studios in North America, Latin America, Europe uh, and Asia, and our headquarters is in Hong Kong. So that's that's sort of the, the home base. Um, but in fact, you know, by headcount now, we probably have um, only about 20% of our people in Hong Kong and then the rest are around the world. Yeah. And, 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 and bottom line, all platforms, so mobile, PC or... Yes, um, we, we began, we were just focused only on mobile, um, yeah. I think, for the first 10 years. And then three years ago, um, through our relationship with Dapper Labs, um, we got introduced to the idea of blockchain games. Um, we loved the idea and have just, you know, never looked back. And we've, we've really invested um, all our attention into growing the blockchain game business. Um, and as a result of that, um, we have actually now um, uh, moved into uh, lots of other platforms, both obviously web, PC, um, and console as a result. Yeah. So blockchain. I mean, lots of people are talking about it, but that's something that I find as a sort of a uh, <clears throat> as 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 a, a topic that comes back uh, throughout any article I'm reading. It's always blockchain. So uh, I'm, I'm I can actually 100% sure say you guys are blockchain lovers. And and tell me about your vision, how you see the mass use blockchain within game consumption or let's say the, the, the in-app purchase via blockchain. Mm -hmm. That's something you very much believe in, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I think our, we look at it very simply because we come at it from the perspective of game players and game developers. So we, we look at it from a game point of view yeah. and we feel like blockchain is an incredible piece of technology that can make games better. Just, just like the internet made games better because the idea of being online and connected opened up all kinds of new possibilities to create new experiences in games. So, you know, before we had online games, games were cool, but they were better with when they were online. And I think the same thing is true of blockchain because over the last 10 years, um, especially on mobile, we've noticed the, the freemium business model really take over 
um, gaming. So people are very accustomed to buying things in their games to enhance their experiences or to, you know, kit out their characters, level up, etc. Um, and so this idea of having an in-game economy um, is not new at all um, and has become a part and parcel of what gaming is today. And what blockchain does is blockchain allows you to have a much more flexible and secure in-game economy. It basically puts your in-game economy on steroids because it allows you to really control as the developer um, many more different parameters of your economy. Um, and it empowers the players first and foremost. So when you think about it from the player's perspective, right now when you play a, a typical game on mobile, for example, um, you spend money in-app, um, you kit out your, you know, you build your armies, you buy swords and armor and whatever it is in your game that you're playing. But at the end of the day, all of those items and all of that spending stays within the economy of that one single game because you're actually just renting those items from the game developer and you play them in that one game. And so once you spend the money and you buy those items, it's a sunk cost and it stays in the game forever. And it only lasts as long as the game developer keeps supporting the game. Once you add blockchain into the mix, you have the ability for true digital ownership. And what this means is that if you deploy it in a game environment, gamers could buy their characters and add on items to their characters. And all of those purchases that they make would actually be blockchain transactions um, that technically speaking are um, tokens that they buy and keep in their wallet. Um, players don't need to know this. This is just what happens yeah. in the background. <clears throat> yeah. But the idea is that they can actually truly own the content that they buy, um, which means that they can own it outside of the game as well. And once they own it, that gives them the flexibility that ownership in the real world gives you with anything you buy. It means you can sell it, you can trade it, you can gift it, yeah. you can destroy it. It doesn't matter. It's yours. It's a and value. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's something we think every gamer would like because, um, you know, very often you'll make a purchase in a game or maybe you'll just, for example, you'll get tired of playing a game, you know, three years playing one game and you decide, hey, I, I feel like playing a different game, but I've already got such a big investment here. And yeah. <laughs> there's all this money to kit out this character, which is a very rare character and is worth something in the game world. And that's what keeps me stuck in this game and I can't move to the next game. Well, well, if you could trade that character or sell yeah. that character, then all of a sudden you have options. I, I, I have this most ludicrous idea suddenly in my head. I actually had to laugh when you were explaining this. But eventually if I die, I have a will and then my son will be at the notaries and then I will say as well, your dad actually is leaving you character XYZ in that game, character XYZ in that game, and that is now all yours. So yes. my whole, my whole exactly. game career is what he inherits. And that could be worth <clears throat> Well, if we know what we're spending, basically what you say is we leave it in the game, we leave it with the game developer, and we move on. And the game developer yes. basically said, well, thank you. I don't know even now what the terms and conditions are, but after 10 years, we're most likely destroyed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, exactly. The, and, and that money is lost. And, and, to, and it sounds funny to you, but it's no different than no, you I saying, I'm, I'm leaving my son in my will, a first edition novel, you know, written by yeah. famous author. Or I'm leaving you, um, you know, some some first print vinyl albums from Miles Davis from 1950. 
yeah. you know, they're collectibles that have value because those are the entertainment artworks that you've collected. And, and games should be no different. If you spend 300 hours, you know, grinding away in a game to achieve a certain character, that's, that's a valuable item that you've worked for. Does it also change the, the way we will look at the unplug? I mean, certain games might actually stop to exist. Um, because if I have ownership of something that um, connects to your game, your game world, your economy, um, that makes me also a bit of a shareholder <laughs> in that game or whatever. Uh, uh, as you buy a house uh, on, a, on a piece of ground in a city or in the surroundings, uh, you have ownership. So. Yes. Um, that, would you think it will change the DNA of game development? Are we now going down? Absolutely. Okay. So if you, think about, if you think about today now, games have really evolved to become much more of a service than they used to be. Yeah. So um, game developers are spending a lot of time building communities within their games and also then um, listening and engaging with their fan communities to know, to, to let the community lead a lot of the development um, in terms of where the game goes, because, you know, they test out ideas with their fans, fans make suggestions. And so when you're making new levels and new features, a lot of it comes from the fans these days. Yeah. And, and so if you think about that method of design, um, if you take it into the blockchain game analogy, if, if users own their content, then it makes sense that game developers would say, okay, you own all this content um, you know, all these swords and shields for, for Robbie's game over here, um, you know, I'm going to make a game that you can use those swords and shields in as well. So you can come and bring those into my game and play with them too. Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden, I think it really empowers the users because the community of content owners becomes the marketplace and the developers then look to see how they can service them. New model, then. Uh, yes. I, I have a character in game uh, A. You have a gar game character in, in, in game B. Can I swap it for a day? Uh, and then I can play actually with your character, see if the game is actually fun before actually downloading it. Or, well, actually, I have to download it, but actually spend it. But then, then the swapping part could also be uh, a day swap, a week swap. Uh, yes. All of, those, all of those types of flexibilities are available. And so I think one of the things that makes it difficult to get your head around at first is the, the number of options has increased greatly. Yeah. Um, so it, it increases the complexity. And I think that's why um, uh, it's taken a while for game developers to really figure out how best to use these tools because it's opened up so many possibilities that you it's hard to focus on just one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the whole thing is, uh, when I talk to people, uh, and, and we talk about gaming, lately I'm doing a lot of with private equity, it's like, okay, free to play, so how does that work? I mean, you guys are spending so much time on a game, then you do a soft launch, and if it doesn't work, you unplug, and there, go, uh, there goes another million or two or three million of development time. Um, and, and, and then once you have to survive the soft launch, then you have to spend marketing. It's highly competitive. It's it's hit driven. Um, how is that industry working? And and the game developers are basically saying, well, well, we have all these books. We have these experts of monetization, in-app purchase, and once we have our economy right, don't touch it. If you if, <laughs> if you have the guts to touch it, uh, you're fired. Um, so um, and and now we're basically saying like, okay. 
So you, you, you're going to create characters, you're going to create in-app uh, stuff that you can buy, but then we, once you buy it, we, we give the ownership to you, you, the gamer, the fan, the community member. Yes. Um, so as, as a game developer, if, if, if they are listening right now, you, you develop a game. At what point are you going to think, I'm integrating blockchain, but what is integration? It's more a way of thinking and offering, or is that a, is there a back end? Is there an engine that you can use? Um, so I think that, um, yes, the answer is yes and no. Um, so we're in a very early stage. Um, you know, how we evolved as an industry was that a few people, most notably um, Dapper Labs with CryptoKitties back in 2017 yeah. um, from the crypto community who were gamers as their passion, um, decided, hey, we may be, might be able to use these crypto tools, this blockchain for games. Let's see what we can do with it. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how it grew out. Um, I think um, since then, um, there have, there's been a very small ecosystem of companies of which we're a part of, um, working to try to not just make products, but make the tools and the way we deploy the tools better. Um, but it's still very early days. So if I were to to compare this to mobile games, we're in the sort of 2009, 2010 phase um, uh, with respect to blockchain games, where the industry hasn't coalesced around absolute standards and things like that. And we're just, we're trying to make the user experience and the onboarding and everything as seamless and as good as possible, but we're not quite there yet. And, and if you remember back to, um, to the early days of mobile, you know, even as late as 2012, um, it was still quite difficult on Android just to execute a purchase of something if you had a credit card. And, and that was Google. Um, so it's not easy to iron these things out and it does take a bit of time. Uh, from the game developer standpoint, I think um, there is a little bit of a learning curve. Um, but in our experience, having only been at this for a couple of years, um, I think you're talking months, not years, um, yeah. to get familiar with the blockchain side of the of the tech. Um, and I think the biggest decision from the game developer standpoint is how much blockchain to put into your game. Um, and there are different <laughs> schools of thoughts on this yeah. because there are blockchain purists that believe that everything must be decentralized. Um, and then there are a lot of game developers that feel like the only blockchain aspect should be the registry of ownership of content, whereas the game itself should run on a game server the way games always have because of latency and other issues. Yeah, because if we take the whole spectrum here, then basically we say that um, when, when I start to develop a game, I have maybe, and, and there are indies that are working with people around the world. So basically, um, the developer that is right now in Chile or in China, um, once I make money or I, I, I create revenues through the blockchain, automatically they get paid too, right? So yes. it, 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 right away, you're, you're, um, I, I could actually imagine that also with, with publishing contracts, the world would get so easy. So basically, I can get all kinds of people that actually help me with development. I find yes. a publisher... Uh, we're big uh, blockchain believers, and by the time someone is spending money, X percent of that uh, earnings directly goes to whoever has worked on the game until a certain point that we have agreed on, right? Yes. 
Yes. So I think the I think the main thing that is um, a little bit confusing for developers who are new to the industry at the moment is that because there are no agreed upon standards, there's no you know sort of Unity as a development language, for example, um, yeah. that uh, that you have different blockchains you can choose from, different um, payment gateways that you can choose from, um, and etc. So you have to kind of evaluate several different standards um, yeah. on your own to make those decisions. So there is a little bit more work on that angle. Yeah, because yeah. then, then another stupid question. Can I lose money with blockchain? Of course. You can always lose money. Yeah. And, but I think you can, you can lose money only to the extent that, as a game developer, you can lose money because, uh, well... Game developing, yeah. game development is easy to lose money, <laughs> yeah. but basically, basically, it's, it's the it's the same thing. You're just you're just evaluating between making good games and bad games, just like on any other platform. So I don't know that um, having a blockchain game makes it any more or less risky. It's just a different platform um, and a different audience. Um, but I think uh, from the player's perspective, um, one of the things that's interesting about blockchain is the security aspect players and developer, frankly, yeah. because blockchain is inherently the most secure tech that, you know, humans have made so far in terms of digital technology. Yeah. Um, so if you think about securing transactions and um, counteracting fraud, um, it's very interesting because one of the things game developers don't like to talk about is that there is um, a, a relatively high amount of fraud when it comes to people making online purchases yeah. um, and, and in-game content. And so getting rid of that fraud already is not a very sexy thing, but would be very beneficial um, already to the bottom line and to our industry. Then let me rephrase that question. Um, if I actually get money in euros and I need to get it to dollars or vice versa, I mean, that has been sometimes a pain. Uh, I had in the past dollar accounts because... I was collecting money there, but I needed to pay people in Europe, so I needed to transfer it to, to euros, and then you were losing money. Um, with blockchain, I mean, um, everyone is looking at, at bitcoins right now. It goes up and down, and, and people are speculating in it, same as in, in other kinds of currencies. To that sense, can I then, because you were saying, like, yeah, you need to do some homework, what exactly you're going to use. Um, mm -hmm. Should I go completely blind in that and, and, and say like, okay, I'm going to cre create my own blockchain atmosphere, my own currency. Can I do that? Or should I uh, wait until a certain thing like Unity stands up? Like, okay, I'm developing on a platform and that actually is, well, um, sort of the leading way. Are we waiting for that? Anyone that wants to start today with blockchain, yes. how, what would be their first step? Or how, what would you advise them in terms of development publishing, marketing, I mean... Uh... I think one of, the things, one of the things about the blockchain game community is that like many other development communities, um, they're very transparent and very open. Um, blockchain even more so because actually one of the basic principles of blockchain is that all the information is publicly available and open, um, uh, meaning all of the things that are recorded on the blockchain, the transactions. So transparency is actually part of the DNA of this particular community. Um, so a lot of developers, uh, you know, have very comprehensive blog posts and 
Twitter and Telegram accounts, et cetera, um, detailing the trials and tribulations of how they develop their stuff and work on things. So I think that's that's the first step. Is um, the second part is there are developers, there are um, companies out there um, that are specifically working on tool sets to make it easier for developers. Um, you know, Dapper Labs, as I mentioned, has their Flow blockchain, which they've come out with recently, which is geared towards being a blockchain specifically for games. Um, Wax has their blockchain um, also focused on gaming. Um, so there are many of them that are um, now geared less towards fintech and more towards gaming and entertainment uh, and solving problems that are more unique to gaming um, as opposed to fintech. Um, so I think that's a, that's a good place to start. Um, the, the, the community is very active on Twitter, I find. Um, so if you spend some time on Twitter, you'll, you'll learn a lot. Um, it's, it's a great place that people not just share not just promote their products, but also share information about, about some of the things they're working on and also seek advice from other people in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's, um, so, so how, how do you see then the next 10 years? I mean, um, obviously gaming, uh, I always say you have the 80, 20 rule, uh, 80% makes, uh, 20% makes 80% of the revenues. Uh, you have a large indie community. Um, where where do you see blockchain find its uh, its growth? Is that going to be with the indies that are going to try, and then it, it comes like from the underground, or do you expect the companies at large? Um, yeah, sure. W so I sorry, would you see King uh, Supercell? Uh, yep. Scopely starting to use it. I mean, do you see signals that they are gearing up for the idea? Yes, I think so. Um, I think it's still early for them. Um, and the way that I see it is blockchain is just going to be another piece of tech in gaming that people are going to forget is there over time, just like they forget that online was a feature previously. Yeah. Um, but now we don't talk about online because it's just assumed all games are online. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think blockchain is the same. We're talking about blockchain right now, but you know, five years from now, nobody will use the word anymore because people will just assume you can own content in a game. Um, yeah. I think there will be, as we think about standards, it may be that five years from now, we all use the exact same blockchain because one blockchain wins <laughs> and yeah. all gamers use that blockchain to develop on, whether it's the Unity blockchain or whatever you want to call it or the yeah. Flow <laughs> blockchain from Dapper or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think there will be standards established. But I think once you allow consumers to truly own their content, which they can trade and sell and do what they want with, I don't think people will ever look back because it will cause them to think, wait a minute, I spent money on content before, but I didn't actually own it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you never turn back from that moment because I think people at the moment, there's a lot of froth in the community talking about people speculating on rare content and being able to sell it and make money. Um, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think the thing that's exciting to the everyday gamer is if I spend, you know, a hundred dollars in a game on content and when I'm tired and want to move on and I can sell that content for $10 and get 10% back, right? Yeah. It's not much, but it's something. 
right? Yeah. It means you don't lose everything and you can take the $10 and use that as a start on your next investment in a game somewhere else. Yeah. And, and that's a game changer because if we're in a you know, $150 billion industry, that 10% is $15 billion. Um, and so that's something real. Yeah. But I think for the big established game companies, um, they, will, they will wait until standards are established just the way we saw um, you know, the pace of big console game developers moving to mobile. Yeah. Some, some of them took you know, almost 10 years, honestly, to move to mobile, even though mobile was big you know, within five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, a DNA thinking. So that was part one of blockchain and games. Uh, thank you, Robbie. Uh, as said, very insightful 25 minutes of getting to know more the blockchain. Uh, next episode, we have part two. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, I want to thank uh, Chris and Robbie for helping me doing episode 37. As said, please do check out um, my section on podcastgameconsultant.com, the news and insights. Um, as said, we have uh, some very interesting topics like uh, the XR revenue update Q2. We have the five latest Steam releases that we think is worthwhile playing. Um, live game streaming Q2 report. We have the digital games June 220 market review. Well, you can find a whole bunch of uh, interesting insights in and around gaming. So thank you very much for listening and ciao for now. This was all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Game Consultant. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember... Do share this podcast with other members of the games industry.